Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki Porter. And I'm Nadine Smith. And this is Canada Horse Podcast brought to you by Informed Equestrian. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. Canada Horse Podcast, we are spotlighting the Canadian horse industry while serving our mission to help bridge the knowledge gap for horse owners by offering the whys behind the decisions we make for our horses from their tack to their trainers to their vet care and everything in between. Our listeners are encouraged to use the information offered here on the Canada Horse Podcast to make informed choices that suit their individual needs. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode number six of Canada Horse Podcast. This is the first episode we've done since the initial launch of our first five two weeks ago. We are so happy with the responses that we've gotten, and we're pretty excited to see the download numbers for those first few episodes. We hope that that means that we really are touching on something important here and that we're going to make an impact in the equestrian community. Something I know it means is it means that it's not just our friends and family listening right now. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) So now that we've shown you a lot of what you can expect from Informed Equestrian and Canada Horse Podcast and a bit more about who we are We want to start showing you a few more ways that we can be or can come to the table for horse owners across Canada and everywhere, really. If you subscribe to our email or follow us on social media, you may have already heard about an upcoming workshop that we're going to be hosting online and we're so excited about. We love vision boards and we've been making them ourselves for quite some time. It's amazing how many things have actually come true over the years. And so we're really excited to be bringing this along. So this year we've decided to make an electronic vision board for our business and our personal lives. And we wanted to invite you to join us in an online workshop to get inspired and get clear about your goals and the things that you want to manifest in your equestrian life. This is about fun. It's about connection. It's about setting achievable goals and visualizing big dreams for yourself or your business. And so in the past, we've done physical vision boards. I still have mine on my wall. And then we realized that we can just make these online and then see them every time we look at our phone. Yeah. Or computer. I have it on the backdrop of my computer right now and I love it. I haven't done that before. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to meet twice over a two-week span to create vision boards on Canva that can be saved in your computer or set as a background on your phone so that you can see it all the million times of a day. That you or they can print it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we'll have a structure to work from. We'll have samples, inspiration ideas, and we'll teach you how to actually build the vision board so that you can edit it or make new ones in the future. The cost to participate is going to be low. And if you're interested in participating, just send an email to info at a quest info at informedequestrian.com and we'll get you some more details. It'll be a tiny bit of pre-work and we'll get you all signed up. That is, uh, I just can't wait. Like it's one of those things that we had the idea for and both of us were like, as soon as we landed on it, we were like, yes, we're doing it. So part of the conversation in the first meeting will be around 
like why vision boards. So if you are new to vision boards and you haven't created one in the past and you've heard conversation about it and you're just curious, then uh, it's a great opportunity to really discover why people actually think they should be doing this and then how to implement it into practice in your life. So, okay, so that is that. Now we have a one more bit of housekeeping. Our website, informedequestrian.com, is now fully live. So we're so excited about this. I, I feel like we're we're continually be like, we're so excited, but we really are. Like we're actually <laughs> this excited about all the things that we're doing. So uh, we invite you to go and check it out. And you can actually sign up for the, the email list there and you'll receive. I think you're still going to receive the audit, which I think is a great opportunity to just look back at what 2020 was like and, and check in with yourself and say like, how's 2021 going uh, and move forward from there. So you'll get that. And then you'll also get some insider scoop from informed equestrian. Uh, and you can also on the website, check out our blogs and all things informed equestrian. Yeah. And there's a new feature and Nikki could actually, I'm surprised that she forgot to tell you about this right now. Cause she was so excited the last time to talk about the audio feature to leave a message for us. <laughs> so if you want to submit, um, something for our year, tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. Or if you just want to send us some feedback or ask a question, you can go to the podcast tab on our website and there's a, a place there where you can send us an audio, like a voicemail that we will get. So it's really cool. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. So I'm so glad that you, uh, that you brought that up. And then I guess before we go, before we finish talking about websites, we have to just say a huge thank you to Danielle, our web designer, and she's just been phenomenal to work with. And if you are in need of a website, or if you're even like curious what it looks like to have someone else, I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm not going to, I, promise Nadine, I'm not going to drag this on, (laughs) but if you're, if you're starting a business or you're thinking that you need a website and you're at home struggling to build a website, I mean, I've literally done everything from Wix. I tried to teach myself Kajabi. I spent hours trying to reinvent the wheel or like teach myself a skill that I'm not naturally inclined in. And it's, I knew I was smart enough to do it, but what I didn't realize is that I was stopping myself from actually doing things I was really good at, uh, within my business. So when I handed the reins off to Danielle for my website, it was like, a breath of fresh air, a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. And I could not recommend offloading things that are not meant for you more within your business. So if that helps you at all, I hope it certainly does. Um, But check out Danielle. So on Facebook, Danielle is websites by Danielle, I believe. And you'll put it in the show notes. Yes. And also we would like to thank Bob Tabner photography because he took a lot of the pictures that ended up on our website and he was very great to work with also. So if you're Nova Scotia and you want equine or family or um, wedding photography done, you can definitely contact Bob. Bob. And I want to thank my partner, my co-host Nikki, because she put a heck of a lot of work into that website. (laughs) So a lot of what you're seeing is uh, written by her. (laughs) Actually, that is not true because it is all taken from your Instagram posts. <laughs> so it is definitely a joint effort. Everything that's happening in formed equestrian wise is a, a collaboration between the two. And 
there's a lot of hard work going on in the back end, but I think both of us just feel so much appreciation for the, for each other, because if we were doing this alone, let me tell you, we'd be overwhelmed in a half. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Definitely. No, it's good to have a, it's good to have a partner. All right, you guys go check out informedequestering.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We're going to get into our interview with Sherry Greeno. Welcome Sherry. We're so excited to have you here. And I like, I'm abnormally excited for this interview, I have to say. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you ladies for the invitation. I'm thrilled to be here today. I didn't know. Th- oh, sorry, Nikki. I didn't know this is what it was going to take to bring out the nerdy excitement in you. <laughs> Let's talk insurance. Yes. <laughs> so I, I feel like this is one of those interviews that I've probably wanted to do an interview like this and it just didn't fit like my take the reins podcast. And this is the reason why I'm so excited for Canada horse podcast is really to dive into these other areas of conversation that I think are super important and relevant to the entire equestrian space. So Sherry, before we dive into all things insurance, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So who you are, you know, your involvement with horses, and I'd love to know how you got into equine insurance. Sure, I'd be happy to give you a little uh, bio of myself. Um, I'm born and raised here in Hans County. I was a young, crazy horse girl, probably like the both of you ladies. Um, came from, I have a family of five siblings. Uh, my aunt bought us a horse for my sister and I to share because at that time we were riding our grandfather's workhorse because we were so horse crazy. Um, from there, 4 H and I showed Western. I always had friends that were in the English um, Pony Club. I went to the Bill Collins Eastern Stock Horse Riding School. He was the instructor and then branched into, I was, I've been married and purchased a horse after becoming married, been in insurance for over 25 years. I was in personal lines selling home and auto, branched into the commercial lines, been in commercial ever since, uh, connected with Doug Henry back around 2012, 2010. He was looking for a rep at that time. Susan Grant had passed away and um, he thought that maybe I would be the perfect fit for Atlantic Canada. So I filled the role in 2013. Um, The client files all came to me to look after and handle. Um, I was really excited and I still am. I enjoy people and I enjoy helping people with their horses. It's my passion. And I bring 25 years of experience from farming, horse knowledge, competitive riding, and showing to my position. And can we also say that you bring like the most friendly conversation on the phone to your business? (laughs) Thank thank you so much for that. (laughs) I was going to say even in like, because we know Sherry in the horse community, and I was going to say she's just always smiling. She's very beautiful, bright person to be around just in general. And so Sherry, we've known you, Nikki and I, um, through getting our insurance through you and also just through the horse community here in Nova Scotia. And it's been wonderful because you have such a knowledge of information of all the different forms that we have to fill out and all the questions that we have to ask you. And you're (laughs) always just so easy with the responses. And I would love to know what it's like you know, a day in the life of Sherry when you're doing all of this stuff? Well, I get up early. 
I go out, I have three horses here, three pygmy goats, barn cats, <laughs> and my granddaughter's bunny here. Um, so I get up and, you know, go out and do chores. The horses are fed before I eat. I do have my coffee though. That's a necessity for mornings. <laughs> so they're looked after. Um, since COVID, I've been working, from, excuse me, I've been working from home full time. And I come back, I um, set up in my little space and I log onto my computer and the majority of my work is done by emails. I talk to a lot of clients and people during my day as well. Um, I'm happy one thing with COVID because having horses here at home has helped me with all the changes that have people feeling isolated, but I'm able to go out, uh, turn horses in a row take I still call it the girls that on my team laugh but 10 30s recess so I'll go out and turn horses in a road or do things like that or just to get outside but I am guilty some days I'm stuck on the computer because I'm so involved with what I'm doing and helping people so yeah wonderful now that we know what a day in the life looks like for you if you could just give us an overview of the types of equine insurance plans that are available and maybe just explain some of the common terms that uh, equestrians really should be familiar with in order to uh, have a deeper understanding. The different kinds of insurances that are available is the full mortality horse insurance. And there's two plans there that are available. And then we also sell commercial general liability. So that would be if you board horses or if you give riding instruction. So I'm going to stick First off with the horse mortality, horse mortality, I would email you off a package. There's a three page application and a declaration of health. If the horse is valued over 20,000 purchased outside of Canada or under one year old, a vet certificate's required. But if not, it's just the three page application, the declaration of health that the insured, the client would fill out themselves. And this all gathers information. Um, I do have binding authority. So what that means, if the papers that I receive are all clear, there's nothing that's standing out like the horse didn't have a pre-existing condition like colic or leg injury, mm -hmm. but now they're sound. Um, I can go ahead and place insurance. Um, they've given me the authorization, Henry Equestrian, like if I was at a horse show, or if you contacted me on a weekend and say, look, I'm going to buy this horse. You could get me the paperwork and I review it and can come right back to you and say, yes, I can put insurance on there on your horse or no, I can't. I have to wait. Okay. Um, so the turnaround time is usually within hours or if I have to work with Ontario, it's usually within the same day. The girls are really awesome. Okay. Awesome. So that's the mortality insurance. And what about the commercial insurance for boarding facilities? Yeah, so the, the commercial insurance for boarding facilities, again, it's an application. Unfortunately, it's seven pages long, but there's some things that may not pertain to each person's operations, whether maybe you're just doing riding instruction. So you would kind of flip right through the other sections that didn't apply mm -hmm. or if you were boarding. So, so a lot of people will start, they'll have their own horse and maybe they have an extra stall and they want to take on a boarder. You know, there's you would need waivers, mm -hmm. a boarding agreement and waivers are very important. I hear it a lot like waivers don't stand up. 
but actually waivers do uh, help form the defense if there was an incident. So the adjuster would have that to say, okay, you know, this client always had the waiver signed. They had the boarding agreements. We have everything here, you know, to move forward, to, to build a case to defend you in the events that something were to happen. Okay. So I have a question about waivers and boarding facilities. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're, you know, you're going to a clinic, oftentimes we're used to signing waivers to go to a clinic, but when do waivers come into play when you're going to a boarding facility? Is that something that gets signed once a year? Is that something that gets signed? Like, should it be signed, you know, every time somebody's going into the arena, what does that look like? No, once, once a year and, and keep them on file. You know, I always suggest to my clients, it's a good practice maybe every January just to have new ones signed and make sure people have renewed their NSEF membership, um, you know, along with that as well. Okay, great. And when you go, oh, you know, if you were to go to a clinic, you know, there, there should be different waivers. The clinician should have their own waiver. The people that own the boarding facility should have their own waiver. So as a participant, you would have up to two at least waivers that you would be signing. And then you would you would keep those yourself, retain them in, in case there was something down the road. Okay. That's really good to know. And I'm just going to pull us back into the equine insurance here for a second, just so that we can clarify some of that. So we talked about the full mortality and I know that there are little extras and, and pieces that you can add on to that insurance, Sherry. Um, I think there's something about like a medical, surgical, what parts of, yes. in addition to the full mortality, do you tend to recommend? Yes. To entering? Yeah. You, you were on my wavelength there, Nadine. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you were to contact me again with regards to full mortalities, let's say you just purchased a horse. So we would start at the purchase price. And then I would suggest uh, medical plus surgical Mm -hmm. and the medical plus surgical would cover um, reasonable, necessary and customary fees for surgery, medical expenses incurred due to an injury, illness, accident or disease. There is a $500 deductible, but in the event that something were to happen, there's different limits. And I usually, you know, advise the clients it's best to check with around to see what it would cost for different surgeries you know if your farm vet recommended the horse was sick and you know wasn't doing well after a few days and recommended you to trailer to PEI you know is that something that you would move forward and do and do you have the money that you can just pay out of pocket so there's limits. Um, it starts at $2,500 limits. Then there's a $5,000 limit. And then there's a $10,000 limit. They go for different values. So if you were coming to me and you, you had a horse that was valued at $5,000 and you wanted to insure it for that, you could purchase up to the $10,000 limit if you wished. If not, the highest you could go if it was a lower valued horse would be $5,000. Um, the majority, what I do sell is probably 90% $5,000 limit and it doesn't take long to add up mm-hmm. and Henry equestrian will pay for trailering. Oh. I think it's $500 in, in that claim. So then from the medical plus surgical, you could also uh, purchase tack and equipment insurance. And I usually ask people if they board, because if they board, most times your home insurance won't cover. It's like sports equipment. 
unless it's itemized. Um, but I always ask people to check that out because Henry question will sell you $2,000 worth of coverage for $20 a year, which is very reasonable. Mm. That is. And it's good to know that, you know, somebody might think that their home insurance might cover it, but, but it doesn't. So that's good. Yeah. So I usually ask, you know, are you boarding or where's your horse located? So that's usually helpful, helpful for the client to try to understand what they should be doing. And, and some people are, are new to the horse industry, whether it's a daughter that's getting into, you know, riding lessons and decided the family's decided to pr- buy her a horse. You know, and that brings up another question that I had, um, something that I thought about when I bought my horses or do people insure their horses for the exact amount that they purchased them for? Or do you put a, a value on that horse based on what you think it's going to make or achieve or, or earn? How does that work? Yeah. So yeah, back to the application. So on, on gathering of information, there's a section on horse information, like who you, you acquired the horse from the acquisition date. Uh, if it was an auction, private cash sale, if it was a home bred. So there's a section there says purchase price. So you, you would take the purchase price. So let's say today I bought a horse and I paid, I'm going to use the 5,000 dollar amount and additional expenses that you could add in would be a pre-purchase exam, veterinary pre-purchase exam, if transportation, and you could add the two together and that would be your amount. Most times pre-purchase with x-rays is using around a thousand dollars. So you could ensure this example that I'm using for the horse for 6,000. It's entirely up to the individual what they choose. They can't go over the 6,000 but they could choose a lower amount. Like, you know, I say to people, are you again able just to go out of pocket and replace this horse? Sometimes people will lower the value if they wanted to insure another horse, you know, down the road, but it's, it's a decision that's up to the client, but Henry question won't go over the amount for the first year after one year, if it was a younger horse that you purchased and they were getting more training and, you know, after COVID, if there was, if you were getting uh, show records and the horse was winning, you may want to increase it. So usually um, I usually recommend go to your coach or another horse professional and ask them to do Henry Equestrian has called a professional justification of value. And with that, again, it's gathering information, you know, like when you purchase a horse, it was green or it was a two-year-old and it wasn't broke at all. Now, you know, walk walk jogs and lopes doing flying lead changes you know it's doing what you hope that you you would be able to do and maybe it's doubled in value or maybe it's not but these are you know the each one is different scenario and i try to help each client through the the questions and answers that they may have okay that's awesome i really had no idea about that I didn't know that you could insure. And then as the horse goes through training, you can actually do like a reassessment. So that's fantastic to know. I'm guessing seems how I've been in the industry for over 30 years that if I don't know it, there's somebody else that's listening. that does. (laughs) (laughs) And, and they, you know, like Hendrick question, we insure stallions. If you have a mare that you're going to breed, then there is, it is 0.5% more when she's confirmed in, in full. So Henry Equestrian, you know, there's no change in premium, but you would reach back to me and say, okay, the vet's been here, done a preg check. Yep. She's in full. So you would let me know right away. And Henry Equestrian would, 
would change the, the premium to cover for that exposure if something would happen to the mare. There's no coverage on the unborn foal, but you would be able to insure the mare. Okay. And some people are asked, have asked me, you know, like, because let's say it's AI bred or something, but there's no, you know, Henry question won't increase the value of the mare. It's just what the mare is, is, is worth. Okay. That's yeah. good to know as well. Great. And, so- and the other thing I just want to add, if I may, yeah. um, if, if you have, a, you know, like a colt and you purchased it as a weanling or yearling, and you're going to have it gelded, castrated, then you should let me know before that's done. Because mm. anytime that, you know, there's any type of a surgery or anything, and, and if the horse were to, to die, then your policy could be null and void. They may not cover you. Okay. Um, you don't have to purchase. It's normally 50 to $100 additional premium to cover extension, but it's entirely up to the client. You know, Henry Equestrian will provide coverage for that if something were to happen. And I, I have talked to people and things have happened. So, wow. That's also yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. are there certain parts or extras that you recommend most people who are insuring their horse have? Yeah. I, I go through and, and gather information like, like we're doing here tonight. And then, um, I would recommend medical plus surgical, but it's entirely up to the client. There is disability coverage. Um, I don't sell a lot of that, but some people, you know, would like to have that. So there's, they won't sell it to people that do reigning disciplines or eventing, Hmm. but you it's available for, if you show English Western pleasure, dressage, uh, hunter jumper and line classes. The other thing that Henry Equestrian has is kind of unique is waiver depreciation. So if you were a new business and for no additional cost, they would not depreciate the value of your horse in the event of an incident so if the market value of your horse would depreciate during the policy period due to sickness or injury, in the event you have a claim under the full mortality, Henry Equestrian will pay at least the limit of insurance in force at the effective date of coverage should insured mortality loss occur. So that's for 24 months. After that, then it would be actual cash value. So if you had a horse, say your horse was lame, so he he was on stall rest. Mm-hmm. So he's not doing what he was intended to do. He was valued. We'll use the $5,000 limit. You know, he, he may deteriorate in the stall and there may be a reason that he'd have to be put down, you know, within a certain time. And therefore they would pay you what you had him insured for the 5,000. They wouldn't depreciate the value. Okay. Which is, it's kind of cool. You, you can apply for agreed value guaranteed renewal after this would expire. And we usually, we send those out in our letters to the clients. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I think we had this conversation, Cherry, because when I was insuring my horses the last time and you explained it in a, in a really good way, it wasn't, it was like, just what you just said, if they had an injury and then they didn't need surgery or didn't, you know, die right away, but then they deteriorated then. Yeah. So it is, and that is likely because you don't always know what happens or, or what is going to happen. You don't always know that it's as serious as it's going to be. And we've, I've had friends, we've both had friends in these situations where ah, their horse is a little off for a little bit. And then eventually it becomes a bigger issue. And then unfortunately they have to be put down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a, a scary, you know, that's, that's a scary place to be for sure. Yeah. And so 
the other thing is I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of people with horses that are worth, you know, a certain value, you know, maybe 10,000 or above or something like that. People automatically think I need to get this horse insured because it's not as easy to just take the money out of pocket to replace them. Is there kind of a sweet spot where people spend a certain amount of money and then they, you feel like it's not necessary that they have insurance. Now I'm, I'm pretty sure I know your opinion on that, but say the horse is like a $5,000 horse. Do people still insure that horse? Or is it a point where you wouldn't necessarily say it's worth the money to spend on insuring it every single year? Yeah. No, I, I would recommend it. it. And like there again, if the people feel that they can't go out of pocket and go replace that horse, um, I've insured, you know, for full mortality, some horses that are a thousand dollars, but it, it depends on each, each individual's needs and, and what they're looking for. And it's not a flat rate, right? It's a, it's a percentage of what the horse is worth. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 3% of the value. And that also gives you a million dollars personal liability. So if the horse were to cause bodily injury or property damage, like, like say kick somebody, you know, or let's say you're out in a parking lot and they flipped over backwards, got upset and, you know, smash the windshield or out of a vehicle, like when they flipped over backwards, land on the hood of a truck, you know, you never know what may happen. It, things happen so quickly. Oh, absolutely. So, I think that's, yeah. I'm not sure if that's as, as common knowledge as maybe as it should be that that insurance is there um, or that coverage is there. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And then yeah. Something else that I'd be curious about is like, we know that, you know, a lot of people within the horse world. And so are you finding that there's a good amount of people that are insuring, insuring their horses at this time? Are you still seeing people out there that just aren't really seeing the benefit? Yeah, there are people out there that still aren't seeing the benefit. I I think they feel they have to have a veterinary certificate. And I, I have this in my conversations with people. Mm-hmm. during the weeks is like, nope, you, you, all you have to do is a three page application, the declaration of health and method of payment, and you're good to go. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I wouldn't yet, never have even thought that that would be something that would hold someone back. I would have thought that they might just think, Oh, my horse isn't a show horse or my horse isn't breeding. So maybe I don't need the insurance, but that's, so that's good to know from someone in the industry that that seems to be a block for some people. Yeah, I, I think it's like education or knowledge. So hopefully this just will help get the word out there a little further for everybody. I'm sure it will. And then so can, can you walk us through the process of what happens when a horse gets injured or becomes ill and someone needs to make a claim? Oh, sure. Yes. And yeah, they should notify us right away. Um, there's a, a horse claim notification form, even if they're not sure if they're going to open a claim because there's a $500 deductible on the medical plus surgical. And those are my, those would probably be 80% of my claims would be medical plus surgical claims. So there's a form that has to be filled out and then an adjuster is assigned. They reach out to the client and then the client would work with their vet. So whatever the vet recommends in the events, once everything is settled with the claim, Henry Equestrian, once they gather all the uh, paid invoices, you would pay everything up front and then reimburse with one check, less the deductible of $500. 
you had already mentioned here in Atlanta, Canada, basically if something is very serious with our horses, we end up going to the island, to the Atlantic Veterinary College. So basically if, if one of us thinks our horse is colicking or our local vet suggests we take them to the island, are we literally calling you or, or calling Henry Insurance on the way to say we're headed to the island, our horse is colicking? Yeah, I've had some of those calls. Yeah, you should you should notify us. You can with my email. Um, I do have the uh, claims adjuster after hours. We have an Houston Insurance Group does as well an after hours claim emergency line that we would put you in in uh, touch with an adjuster. They would get it reported right away. Perfect. Okay. So then, with that said, oh, sorry, Nikki, did you want to say something? I just said that's a great question. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. And then. So, so with that said, are there things that have, that you've seen that have come up that can hinder the process of someone's insurance getting paid out? No, I've, I've never seen anything, it, it, nothing that's held up a claim being paid. Ah, that's so yeah. good. The, the, o- <laughs> the only thing that I would recommend is, is let us know right away. So like it's whether it's just notice only, or if it's an open claim, I mean, I, I kind of take on the claim when I, if it's a really bad claim, I I've had different situations. One was, you know, the horse had died. They had to have it tarped. They had kids coming for riding instruction that night at the indoor, you know, it was just a hard situation, but there are people, um, the different fat clinics know like uh, flat deck, like towing companies, because you do have to have an autopsy if your horse has been euthanized or died. Oh, also good to know. Yeah. And like that, you would go to, um, you would take them up to Toro for an autopsy. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I have run across some people that, uh, decided to cancel the insurance because they didn't want the, they never, they couldn't handle the thoughts of the horse having an autopsy after they were gone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, an autopsy has to be arranged. So, yeah. So just to clarify, this is if you have insurance and you want to make an insurance claim and your horse is euthanized by a vet, you do have to have an autopsy in order to proceed with the claim. Yes, that, that's part of the uh, claim. I mean, I and, and again, um, the adjusters are really good. They're equine adjusters that work across Canada with different uh, claims, it, just specialty the equine. They would work with you. Um, I have seen where, you know, a horse broke their leg, so they had to be put down because they were in pain and somebody had, you know, a backhoe coming to bury the body. So, you know, there are different circumstances that HAP will work with you for, for sure. I can only imagine how many circumstances there are. I've, I can, yeah, I'm sure you've heard many different <laughs> stories of Excuse things me. that have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And some days I just, that's, I kind of take it on for the day and I have to you know, kind of shake it off later. Mm. Cause when you have somebody on the end of the phone and, you know, very distraught. So yeah. Also a part of working the insurance business that I don't know if many people actually think about is that emotional tax that you would, um, that you would take on because of all of the different situations that you're helping people talk through and think their way through. And so, yeah, I can just imagine that that would be very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess with my personality, it just kind of flows. So, 
but it's, it's, you know, they're, they're awful great days as well. So, but that's just part of the job, the whole circle, circle of the job. Well, you do a very good job. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you. So yeah, just, just to recap again, it's a Nova Scotia agriculture college. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and I'm sure there's other places within Canada and across the world because who knows, of, of course, this, but <laughs> of course, <yeah. laughs> you're not in Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah. So right now we're just going to take a little break to talk about our sponsor. All right, it's time to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, Pache Motors. They are the largest Ram HD dealer in all of Atlantic Canada. They're family owned and operated and they're highly trained staff, no trucks, towing and hauling better than anyone. And by the time this episode comes out, I am going to have my brand new truck. I can't wait. Don't worry, you guys, you're going to see pictures all over Instagram of it. And Mike's going to be crying because his new truck is still not here, (laughs) but it's not supposed to be yet. It's not late. We're just really anxious to get it. So uh, we will uh, make sure that maybe we should get a picture of our two trucks together at some point. That sounds Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Come this summer when we're at the beach, we'll definitely have the, well, no, we won't have the, those two trucks. Mark's Julie will be there because it'll have to haul the trailer. (laughs) Okay. So. Sherry, you've shared some really valuable information with us so far. This is a question for you that I am really quite curious about because I think it's very valuable for everyone because, you know, whether people are going to show or whether they're going for clinics or whether they're looking to start hosting clinics, hosting clinics has gained popularity in the last, I'd say, 10, five to 10 years. So I feel like it's really important for people to understand what is the minimum insurance that someone needs if A, they're looking to teach a clinic or they want to do lessons on the property or host a clinic within their, or like on their property? Uh, The minimum would be a million commercial general liability limit. Um, I would recommend 2 million depending on your numbers. Yeah, for sure. you know, depending on your numbers and if something were to happen and yep, go ahead. ahead, Nope. You go ahead. (laughs) All right. So when we're looking at someone who is just, you know, they're starting to think that they want to go and venture off to do clinics, what do you recommend they have? So they, they should have NSCF. Is that correct? The person is a clinician. Like, no, nope, someone who's just going off to, to be a participant in a clinic. What's, what should they have to cover their bases to make sure that when they leave the, the property with their horse, they are properly insured to go and participate in a clinic or in a lesson off property? Yes, they should definitely have an SEF. Okay. And that would be your provincial yeah. insurance. So wherever you are in Canada or, or wherever, it would be like your provincial insurance coverage. Correct. Correct. Wonderful. Yes. So that's the minimum is the NSEF. And then is there something beyond that Henry insurance that you would recommend through Henry insurance to have if you're a participant? Um, If you had your horse insured, you would have a million dollars under your Henry equestrian policy. Okay, wonderful. And then if you're hosting clinics, you're recommending the minimum insurance would be a million and you would even up that to 2 million if it were up to you, depending on the numbers. Correct. Yeah. I I would definitely be recommending 2 million if you're hosting a clinic. Okay. Yeah. Is there any way 
to find, like, should people post that they have insurance or is there an actual requirement that someone has an insurance, has insurance to host clinics at their home? No, I don't think there's a requirement. There's still, again, education needed mm-hmm. with regards to educating people that they should be. If it's through like, well, I'm, I'm thinking like a Scotia series clinic or something within our Nova Scotia base, but sometimes people will just put on clinics, but, but people need to be educated that they should be protecting themselves because they're putting their own personal assets on the line if something were to happen. Absolutely. That's what, that's where I was going with that. So that if you were hosting a clinic on your own property or, or at your business and there was a, a major accident or someone got hurt, then you are liable for being sued at that point if you don't have insurance or even if you do have insurance. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, Over the years, I used to save, I don't take the the paper here in our province anymore, but just clippings of things, how bodily injury can happen so quickly and Mm. it it can take years for it's, you know, resolved depending on the the, uh, extent of the injuries. Mm -hmm. Another follow-up question to that. And Nikki may know the answer to this already because she does clinics, but say you're a clinician and you go to another place to, to do a clinic, do both the clinician and the property owner, should they both have insurance for that purpose? Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. As a clinician, your policy should follow you around wherever you are in Canada. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important too, because so many people are starting to branch out. What if, what if someone's not labeling themselves as, as a clinician per se, but they're just, you know, somebody messages, messages them and says, do you mind dropping in and, and offering a couple lessons? Is there a difference in the insurance for someone that's going off and, and teaching clinics versus somebody who's just doing drop-in lessons um, in somebody's like backyard? That's a great question. Yeah, no, you, you still need insurance because you're, you're exchanging money. You're, you're operating a business. Okay. It's, it's the same as a contractor. Let's say that was an electrician was going to come in and do work on your home. Like they could do something. So with you giving riding instructions, you could be liable if that person was injured again or something happened. Okay. So Good. You know, there again, you're pers- you're putting your personal assets on the line. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and it's that's something that people likely um, don't they don't often think about. If I don't no. have insurance, what does that mean for me? So I think that's a great point to bring up: is what happens if you don't actually have the adequate insurance and something does take place? Yeah, and I I know, you know, I'm hearing like that's where Equine Canada and these different um, you know, instructor going through your courses. I mean, people you're supposed to with, with the instruction, you're supposed to have a current first aid. If something were to happen, Henry question has a guideline that you have to sign to say, yes, all these, all these things are being meant. So yeah, it's, it, it, things happen too quick. And I know sometimes we're too laid back and feel, oh, well, that's not going to happen. So I'm just going to go here and, you know, charge whatever and everything will be okay. But it's too late after something does happen. So I, I always tell that to my clients because it's better to have the conversations prior to mm-hmm. than 
be on the other end of the line and saying, look, this happened. Can you help me? It's like, no, I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, how many people are listening that just kind of were oblivious or didn't really know, or didn't really want to know until this point, but now, you know, and so you probably should get some insurance if you're going to go teach lessons at somebody's house. Yeah. 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 I think you're right, Nadine. I think it's one of those things that it's easy to say, oh yeah, well, you know, I don't really need it. I'm only doing this or I'm only Mm -hmm. doing that. And I really feel like, uh, sure. You're doing a great job of explaining the importance of it. And it's very clear. And, you know, we're, we're all, we're all very, uh, familiar with paying insurance because we're insuring our homes and our cars and, and everything else at our four wheelers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you yeah. Um, but I think it's important that people really do understand the, the black and white nitty gritty of, of insurance when it comes to our horses, because it's where we're, in this world of, of living, breathing animals, it's, it's a whole new element, um, to all of the, the risk factor. So with this said, I just, I know you guys talked about a little bit about boarding at the beginning and waivers and stuff. So I'm just going to give an example of my place. Um, and then you can give me your answer. So I have a three stall barn. I have two horses and I've had a couple people already ask me if I would take a boarder and it's not something I can do right now. It's full of hay, but I'm just wondering what would happen if I wanted to take on a border? What insurance then would I need? So you would need a, the, the commercial general liability because you would, you're starting a business operation because you're doing boarding. You would need waivers and you would need a boarding contract. So that's, it doesn't matter if you have one boarding horse or 30 no. horses. It's the- no, that's that, correct. That's yeah, very that's- clear. That's, that's, uh, that's correct. And, and they always want to know your gross receipts. And some people get very upset when I ask that question, but it's just because the liability, even if, again, even if it wasn't the equine, let's say it was electrician, they want to know what your gross receipts are because they want to know how busy you are compared to somebody else. So whether you had two borders or one border versus a boarding barn that has 20, your receipts are going to be less. So the exposure is different. Okay. Um, so usually I, you know, I, I help the clients and say, okay, if you're, you're charging, I'm just using this figure, let's say, you know, $400 a month times one horse times 12 months. And that would be your gross receipts okay. for the, for that part of your business. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and all this is confidential. Like I don't share anything. I'm not, I can't, I wouldn't have my job. And I know the horse industry and, you know, probably just right across Canada. It, it's a niche and people are kind of hesitant to give out information or, but it's all professional or the insurance. We wouldn't have jobs. Yeah. I think that's a great point to yeah. make as well. So does this personal equine insurance that you sell and manage work together with the NSCF? Because I know that I've sent off an email to you. Actually, it was during COVID because we're trying to navigate this all these new waters that have to do with the uh, hosting and, and COVID and all of these things. And my first thought was, I'm going to email Sherry, but um, I'm pretty sure you emailed me back and was like, well, actually here's NSCF's website. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I know my answer to this, but yeah. uh, I'd love to yeah. know, um, you know, how, how are you guys, do you work together? Uh, if somebody has a question about NSCF, Do you have a base level understanding there that they could get that from you or what's that look like? 
Um, we have a working relationship I do with NSEF. I, I was a director at one time, but they are separate. The NSEF is separate from, separate from us. Um, so during COVID, the provincial government has looked to the different bodies like your sports organizations. So Sport Nova Scotia then it's broken down, whether it's hockey, soccer, equine. So I've you know, bounce people over to the Nova Scotia Equestrian Federation because they're the governing body with the government being the voice and putting the information out to all the members to let them know, you know, whether you're allowed to have groups of 25 or nope, no, you know, when Halifax was under a red zone, mm-hmm. you know, nobody was allowed in or, in or out, no lessons, etc. Okay, that's great. Yeah. To know. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Yeah, I think that clarifies the the difference between the personal insurance and the provincial insurance mm-hmm. okay so now we're going to go on to the fun part of our episode it's the you tell me yours i'll tell you mine and today we're <laughs> going to ask what is the most memorable lesson you've taken with your horse and it can be any horse that you've had it doesn't have to be the current horse and i'd say nikki you go first oh gosh okay there's a couple that i've been like bouncing back and forth and like I've been taking lessons since I was seven years old. And let me tell you, there's been doozies. So I'm like, do I tell the fun ones or do I tell the, so I decided to land on a lesson from when I was like 16, 17. And so I was in Windsor and we decided to uh, take my, I believe she was probably a five-year-old at this time. She was a thoroughbred draft cross. Uh, and she was a PMU baby actually. So we decided to take her off property. And so we took her down the road. If any of you who are listening are familiar with the Windsor area and you know, the Hardys, they used to uh, do events and stuff. And I was good friends with them. So we took her to the Hardys ring and we were showing outside and Mrs. Henry, my coach at the time was so excited because she had a new jump. And the jump was a stop sign. So we go (laughs) and we have the stop sign and Maddie, my mayor at the time, um, we laughed afterwards. I did not laugh at the time, but we did laugh afterwards because the first time I approached this fence and we, we, it was probably like three feet. So I'm, I'm cantering up to it and she hit the brakes but then didn't commit to the stop. So she actually like then bunny hopped her way over this fence and <laughs> I ended up on her neck. So then I had no control by the time I was, you know, over top of her neck and she took off to the corner and she slammed on the brakes and threw me like leaned on the fence, the actual like fence to the right, <laughs> leaned on the fence and threw me over into the field. And so we, we pretty much like died laughing afterwards thinking like, you know, maybe she could read, but that was one of my crash and burn stories from my, my jumping days. I love when you tell stories that I've never heard before. <laughs> I don't, I haven't told that story probably to anybody. I can hear Mrs. Henry now. You stupid oh. child. <laughs> you just took the words out of my mouth. You stupid child. That's exactly. Bless her heart. Dear oh, Henry. All right, Sherry. Well, what's your memorable lesson that you've taken? Well, mine, I'm not going to use a lesson, but I'm going to use a show scenario back in the seventies when I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. the mayor I had was my aunt's, but, um, we were all lined up in the show ring after doing our, it was a flat class and 
it was the old arena before it burnt and you can look down the alley and you can see the stalls and all that. And I was kind of down by the gate and I could feel her and she laid down on me. <laughs> she was, uh, she was cycling. She was in heat oh. and she just laid down and everybody started roaring. And, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just, you know, asked her to get back up. And anyway, that's all right. You just brush yourself off and keep going. <laughs> If anybody could see Nikki and I on video at that exact same moment, both of our jaws dropped. We did not expect that. <laughs> but I love my mares, I must say. So it's all good. <laughs> That's funny. That's oh, man. Okay. Well, you guys had funny experiences. I, I, I picked a lesson. Uh, it, well, it was through a clinic that was memorable because it or were kind of like aha moments for me that kind of changed the trajectory of my horsemanship. And of course it was with Jim Anderson and this was a few years back and there've been a lot of lessons that we've learned from him. And uh, I know we're going to talk to him in the future and we'll talk about more about Jim, but in this particular lesson, Jim talked to me about that I needed equal parts of yield and draw. So we are working on groundwork with Jim. We're, we're, you know, learning, leaning towards Liberty, eventually getting our horse offline. And for a while there, we were just focused on keeping our horses with us. So we wanted to draw them in a lot. We wanted the horse to know that we were the, the safe spot that always be with me, be with me, be with me. But then Jim came and he was like, Whoa, your horse is a lot too much with you. And so I went out the next day, I practiced outside and I, I yielded him away from me. And then I came back in and he said, Oh no, 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 no. Your horse is yielding way too much. He doesn't want to come in with you. And he was like, you need half and half. You need to have them be able to yield 50% or draw 50%. And then I was like, Oh, okay. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It has to be both. And then the other part was that they also have to be okay with pressure because there was a lot of time there where we thought, or I thought that the best thing was to be able to do everything with the slightest amount of pressure with almost just to wiggle my finger or to just give them a look and they would back up or they would do something. And he said, yeah, but when you get on that horse, you're going to sit on them. You're going to use your legs. You're going to use your spurs. You're going to use your hands. Your horse has to be okay with pressure, with physical pressure. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely true. And so that was a big moment for me in that clinic. I'm pretty sure that anyone who's listening that has worked with Jim can probably go my biggest aha moment in a lesson probably happened with Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So insightful. Yeah. yeah. We've learned a lot from Jim. Yeah. yeah. A lot he's, of people he's... in Canada and the States. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, it's awesome to be able to have him come here to Nova Scotia. Oh, we're so blessed. Yeah. Yes. So we do have a listener um, story and this one is actually about a lesson with Nikki. So just a heads up. I just read this. I didn't, <laughs> I, I, I only read the relevant things. So I just looked down as you were talking and I was like, Oh, nice. <laughs> so so I handle all of these and Nikki doesn't know what's happening or what's coming. And so she does clinics here in uh, Nova Scotia. So it makes sense that some of the people that write in are going to be about um, experiences with her. So so this one is from Sarah and she said that during a cow, I think it was a sorting clinic, Nikki, it might've been a penning clinic. It was a sorting. It was a sorting clinic. And so this, uh, Sarah was having trouble backing her horse straight into the hole. And so that's the hole where you're trying to get the cows into. And then the hole 
is you're also trying to keep the trash cows, which are the cows that you don't want <laughs> into the hole. And so she was having trouble backing up straight and she was just moving the hip, moving the hip, moving the hip. And then she said about her third time, Nikki said, move your horse's shoulders. And she was like, oh, of course. There's the other half of the horse. <laughs> I'll move the shoulders. And it was so much easier. She said, you're backing up a little bit. They're getting on their hind end. Now move their shoulders to straighten up. And it made so much sense. And she said, after that light bulb moment of that clinic where she learned that, she went on to win um, what was it, Nikki? She went to win a championship at one of the sortings that you guys had and then was fifth in her division. It's really funny how that happens because people concentrate when they're looking to straighten their horse, they focus a lot on moving the hip. But when you're the purpose of backing back into that hole is to load your horse. So you're loading your horse onto the hindquarters in order to then move up and move forward so that you're really being active and proactive in the hole. So what happens is if you're loading that horse and then you add that leg, then you're, you're like working against each other instead of working towards each other. You go to the shoulders and you actually start to free up those feet. And it's amazing when that light bulb moment happens. I love it. And I just want to add that that works in raining too, because we do a lot of backing up in raining. And it was actually Andrea Anderson that kind of taught me the same thing. And she was just like, you know, when I was trying to back up straight and I'm moving the hip and she said, and, and if anybody knows her, she's very, <laughs> very direct. And she was like, very straightforward. Why yeah. do you think you have a hip problem? Why don't you think it's a shoulder problem? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh, good point. I probably said it a little less direct. <laughs> She's fantastic. She knows a lot. <laughs> we love her. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to take a break right now for our ebook giveaway. Okay. So this is our first ebook giveaway from Trafalgar Woo-hoo! Square Books. Yeah. You can find Trafalgar Square Books on horseandriderbooks.com. They are going to be giving out one of our listeners a free ebook each month. So this is how you can win. Nikki is about to read a quote from a book and she's going to give you the title of the book. All you have to do is send us a message and tell us what the name of the book is. That's it. So we're going to give it to you. You give it back to us. And then your name is going to be put into a draw for this month for winning a book of your choice. All we need to do is send you to them and they are going to get you that ebook. And they, let me tell you, they have a ton of books to select from. And as a horse lover and a book lover, I'm always trying to scan for what horse books are out there that I haven't read already. And this makes it so easy because it's just all horse books on their website. So it's perfect. Even if you don't win, just check them out and you can try again next month. Absolutely. And honestly, I think we feel like there's a shortage of horse books until you go and look where it's specifically horse books. And then you're like, oh my gosh, it's vast. Like there are so many fantastic books out there. All right. The quote that I'm going to read is, Uh, Speaking of fantastic, it is fantastic. I love this. It is. When your horse doesn't feel safe with you, you are not safe with him. This quote is from Horse Speak, the Equine Human Translation Guide. All right. So make sure that you message or email us with the title of that book and you'll be entered into our giveaway for a free ebook. And this is a quick giveaway, you guys. So we have 24 hours after this 
podcast comes out. So it's going to be out Thursday morning by afternoon on Friday, we will be picking a winner. Awesome. All right. That's fantastic. Let's get back to our interview. Okay, Sherry. So it's been a great conversation and we so appreciate you being with us this evening and having the, uh, the conversation that maybe some people tend to avoid, maybe even myself sometimes. Um, so do you have any final advice for horse owners in regards to purchasing or claiming insurance for their horses themselves or their property? No, just feel free to, to reach out and give me a call. I'd be happy to to answer or find the answers to any of your questions or inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom line, you want to protect your investment, whether it's your mm-hmm. property, um, your horse, or what you're doing, your business operations. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And I yeah. will, I'll vouch for you here in the sense that um, I've never felt more comfortable talking insurance with anyone I have to deal with, with insurance. So you're so, you're so easy to be able to get a hold of and talk things out with. And, uh, you're so understanding with, uh, I know that it tends to be about two emails before I end up actually getting (laughs) things or more getting things done for you. So you're always so patient and so kind. And I, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you for your kind words, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us, Sherry. And if someone in um, Atlanta, Canada, I believe you cover Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Prince Edward Island, how can they get in touch with you if they're interested in insurance? They can shoot me an email. They could Google under Houston Insurance Group. Um, all the contacts in that are there. Or they can call me uh, 902-757-0269. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Sherry. We'll talk to you soon. Thank Thank you you for inviting me. I enjoyed this. Bye ladies. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you know a fellow Canadian equestrian or equine business you think needs to be highlighted on the show, be sure to email podcast at informedequestrian.com so we can be in touch. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast and Informed Equestrian with your friends. And leaving a review is always appreciated. Your support means the world to us. Until next time. Right on, Canada.